Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. I couldn't be more excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Stu Heineck, a Wall Street Journal cartoonist and author of a really interesting new book called How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, The Untapped Selling Power of Contact Marketing. You know, one of the byproducts of the modern sales process has been this dramatic increase in sort of the volume of cold emails and phone calls that your buyers and your target customers are receiving. And this, this flood of undifferentiated communications from sales reps may combined with you know, an influx number of competitors in virtually every market segment, creates this sort of nightmare scenario in which sellers increasingly look alike in the eyes of your buyers. So how can you stand out? How can you make contact with the decision maker? And how can you cut through the clutter to capture their attention and get a few precious moments of their time? So my goal, my guest today, Stu Heineck, is going to help us sort it all out and give us some great advice about how you can do this as well. So Stu, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much. Good to be here. So take a minute, please, just introduce yourself. Well, I'm, uh, you mean like in my VIP statement? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> well, I've got this really crazy um, crazy combination of backgrounds uh, because I'm, um, I'm a marketer. In fact, I'm a, a DMA Hall of Fame nominated marketer. And I use cartoons. I've been using cartoons for a very, very long time in my marketing campaign, the campaigns that I've been creating for clients. Um, but I'm also one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists, which is kind of a nice thing, mm-hmm. nice uh, um, piece of so- social um, um, proof, I guess. I don't know. Sure, like social that. proof. That, that's that's why yeah. I'd say, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, and then of course I'm also an author. I, um, I've written actually two books before this, but um, but this one I'm really excited about this one in particular. It's just it's something that came from this. This activity, this sort of shadow activity in my life, and really kind of a, it 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 brought to light a shadow form of marketing, really, uh, that a lot of people have been practicing. I've been using it my whole career. Never knew what to call it. Always been amazed by it because it it launched my business um, a long time ago. But it also, it just has has gotten me through to people I should never be able to reach. People like presidents and prime ministers and celebrities and and lots and lots of CEOs, C-level executives and and top decision makers. All right, so let's so, let's take a step back. Let's Sure. Let's what is contact marketing? So, 
you know, start there and then we'll, we'll expand and let people understand how, how it works. But, you know, what is it and how did you really come across this idea? I know it didn't originate with you necessarily, but, but how'd you come across it first? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, at the very beginning of my career, I was looking to combine cartoons with direct mail, with direct mail campaigns. And I wanted to create these for the biggest, the biggest game in town. That, that was the magazine publishers. They were the biggest, most sophisticated users of direct marketing. And, um, and I'd been told by the, by the, we were all told by the experts that humor didn't work in, in direct marketing. And I thought they just didn't have it right. They didn't understand what cartoons were about. So I wanted to spread it out there. Mm-hmm. So I, I got first, first thing, um, that happened was I got two assignments, one from Rolling Stone and one bon Appetit, from Bon Appetit magazine to create uh, test campaigns. Those went up against their controls and both of these beat their controls. That's really, that's, that's an amazing feat because again, these are very, very sophisticated uh, testers. They're always testing or we're always testing mm-hmm. a lot against their controls. So the controls are really, really hard to beat. And for anyone who may not be familiar with that term, we're talk- talking about a st- statistical control in um, in a test, um, but in in the case of direct marketing, that st- statistical control is actually the very very best thing that the marketers ever come up with and and used. So, if you tie that, if you tie the response generated by that, you've you've tied the record, <laughs> the all time record for them. And if you beat it, that's really that's really a big thing. So, to have both of those test campaigns, those first test campaigns beating controls was a big, um, just a big home run. And so now I wanted to spread it to the rest of the publishing world. And what that meant was I needed to reach, let's say, two dozen VPs and directors of, of circulation for the big the big publishing houses in, in the country. So I'm talking about Time Inc. and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, Time Warner and... Yeah, Condé Nast is one, uh, um, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So there were, but, but, you know, I needed to reach about two dozen people. And so I thought, well, okay. Uh, and by the way, if, if uh, you know, I needed to put this campaign together to, to reach out to them. And by the way, if I got the kind of response that people talk about for direct marketing or direct mail, a 1% response rate, which is not a real, it's not a valid number, but if we used it for a moment, uh, and I got a 1% response rate, which everyone seems to say is a really terrific response rate to a direct mail campaign, that would have been a disaster because it would have meant I got really close to reaching one of them. Right. <laughs> In other words, nothing would have happened. Nothing would have happened. Yeah. So, I, I, so what I needed to get was, I mean, not even a 10% response rate, which would be huge for a direct, a direct response campaign, but 10% would have been a disaster too. I needed to reach all of them. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to not only reach all of them, but I wanted to convert all of them to clients. So, you know, and I've been told that in, in direct marketing circles, 100% response rates are impossible, but whatever. I needed to do this. So I put together a campaign. Well, I mean, really in sales, you're talking about prospecting and sales. No one gets 100% response rate in prospecting and sales either. So generally that's, yeah, that's, that's true generally. So, so here, you know, so I put together this campaign. It's a, it was a, a suitable for framing print of a cartoon personalized to each of these people. I was these high, high value prospects that I was going after. And then with it was a, a letter that said, this is the device I just used to generate um, 
two two campaigns that beat controls, one for Bon Appetit, one for Rolling Stone. I think we should put this, this to the test for your titles. So that I sent that out and I got all of them to respond. In fact, all of them became clients. It launched my business and it came from this campaign that I spent I maybe a hundred dollars on. So you sent them a framed cartoon that was customized. So not even a framed one, just suitable for framing. They had to go get their own frame. <laughs> okay, even better. So you sent yeah. them. So how big was it? Like eight and a half by eleven or eight by ten? Eight by ten. So it was the standard size. Did you send it? You regular mail or did you hand deliver or you FedEx it? How did you deliver it to them? I, you know, I put it in an envelope and sent it that way. Okay. It wasn't even FedEx. It, All right. All right. You know, very little ceremony tied to it or you know sense of event, but but. You know, it, it launched my business, and and so I didn't. I called that a contact campaign way back then. And you know, I, I got really interested in what other people were doing. Uh, um, I mean, at first I thought, well, isn't that cool? I you know, I, I can I reach the I reached all of them, and I, I started experimenting with well, who can I reach and how can I do it? And I ended up reaching either on my own or on behalf of clients, presidents, prime ministers, all the you know all the people I just mentioned a while ago that. that CEOs and C-level executives and so on. And, and then I thought, well, God, isn't that great? I, I've got a secret weapon. Isn't that cool? And then I then I thought, well, wait a minute. What's everyone else doing? I'm not the only one, obviously, to, to um, you know, to uh, to face that challenge of, you know, there are just this handful of, this handful of people, or maybe it's 100 people. If it's a Fortune 500 sales team, maybe it's 100, maybe it's 500 people that that they'd really like to break through to and and, and strike up a, a a business relationship with them um but so as, as i looked around and and discovered how how others were doing this the other thing i discovered was that no one really had a name for it so that's where the name contact marketing comes from it, come, it, it was derived from my own use of contact campaign all those years ago, but that's what contact marketing is. It's just these, it's these these campaigns that are are focused on just. I, I was going to say a handful. It could be as few as one um, contact, and or it could be you know a couple dozen. It could be a hundred, but it's a really small number in in marketing terms. It's a very very small number, and it's it's focused on generating contact with these people who are just of ultra high value and very very difficult to reach. Right, and really does I maybe summarize that just a little bit differently for the people listening is that it is a highly personalized campaign and methodology you use to, as you said, contact and meet high value, ultra high value contacts with CEO, C-level people that if you're able to get through and talk to them and ultimately win the business, they're going to transform your business. Yeah. And so if you think about this, if you're a, a startup and you've identified, look, here's a set of logos that we want to do business with. You know, right now, oftentimes they turn loose their sort of lowest level salesperson, a sales development rep to go out and start making phone calls and sending emails to try to work their way to get to that person, which is impersonal, even in the way that they claim they personalize a lot of times, the sales reps really don't. Here's a, a different approach, again, that Anybody can execute highly personalized, very focused, very targeted, with huge potential impact. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned startups. Uh, startups are in a burn rate situation generally, so they've got to they've got to do a lot of th- they've got to create or they've got to connect with some very very important people to them very quickly, or the time runs out. 
on the clock. <laughs> they just they don't exist anymore. So it, it's not only with new clients, but it's also investors, and uh, and it could be strategic partners. I mean, it's really it's, it's really the same thing that we all need to do in our businesses, but they've got to do it really really quickly, or they or they snuff out. Yeah, and so it's really at the heart of this. So again, using a highly personalized methodology, and we're going to talk about other examples that you're going to be able to provide about how people are doing this. In addition to your cartoon, which is is a very very inspired way to do it. So. Um, one of the things you talk about in in your book is that you know you got these these high response rates, you know, and how people respond to this, and the role of the gatekeepers, the proverbial gatekeeper, in this <laughs> whole process. And so address that because everybody's saying, yeah, I mean, that's going to go to their assistant, and their assistant's going to make sure I never see the guy. So how how do you work that in conjunction with using one of these really personalized outreaches? to work with the assistant to milk it, make it happen for you? Well, yeah. So what I'm going to do, to, to answer that question, I'm going to describe a little bit about what I do with cartoons sure. as well. But Great. but directly in it, it, to your question, you know, executive assistants are amazing. I'm a big fan of executive assistants. You know, a lot of, when you talk to salespeople, a lot of them will ask, how do you get around them? And that's not what you're supposed to do. That's probably the problem. I'm sure it's the problem because they can see that a mile away and or sense that a mile away. And and when they do, then they they shut down. Um, but it, but the fact is that executive assistants, think of who they are. If the, if we're talking about the executive assistant to a CEO of a company, that that assistant is living really pretty much the same reality as any vice president and or any C-suite executive in that company. They report directly to the CEO just like they do. I mean, both do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the the assistants are are in uh, present at a lot of the meetings. They're they're very aware of what the CEO's vision is, what what the what the CEO is trying to accomplish, and what's on their um, what's on the, on their their priority lists at the, at, at any given time. Um, and so, you know, certainly one of the things they're doing is protecting the CEO's time. And if you think about how valuable. CEO, I mean, you think you hear all these complaints about CEO pay. Well, their time is quite valuable, and their their contribution to their to the companies is really quite valuable. So certainly, their time is valuable, and 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 and, and the assistant's job partly is to, I'm mean, big part of it is to protect that time, so that they remain that they can remain focused. Obviously, that's what they need to do. But but the other thing, the other half of the executive assistant's role in that in that case uh, as to whether someone gains access or not is that they're also you could think of them as as talent scouts or vice presidents of access either way their job is also to spot those kind those those opportunities that the ceo and we'll we'll, we'll just say ceo is a euphemism for anybody who's the center of enterprise mm-hmm. opportunity for you right. who may not be the ceo but but we'll call them ceos for now so but but Part of their job is to also find those nuggets that w- wouldn't come to their to the executive's assist uh, uh, attention otherwise. So they're always on the lookout for things that that their their executive will find interesting and useful. They're always looking for that. And so if so, in in the case of the cartoon campaigns that I, or the campaigns that I use where I'm using cartoons, what usually happens is I'll call the executive assistant first. I'm I'm always relieved. To know that they have executive assistants, by the way, I'm always relieved to reach them because mm-hmm, they're, mm-hmm. they're actually so helpful. 
And and so what I'm what I'll tell them is, um, in the book I describe creating a, a VIP statement, and mine is, "Hi, my name is Stu Heineck. I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists. Um, I'm a Hall of Fame nominated marketer, and I'm I'm calling you today because I want to send a print of one of my cartoons. It's about happens to be about your boss. Uh, sometimes it's one of my cartoons that was in the Wall Street Journal, and it's mm-hmm. about your boss." And um, and I, while well, I want it to be a surprise to him or her, I don't want it to be a surprise to you. So I'm, I'm reaching out to you because I want to coordinate this. So I'm not asking for permission to send it. Right. I might say I might just confirm the address or something like that, but I'm not asking for permission. I'm just saying I'm going to send it, and I want to con- I want to coordinate the the details with you. And they're usually thrilled by all that. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, so if you wouldn't mind, can I if I can get your email address? I'd like to send you just all of this, all of this, these details in an email so you don't have to remember them. Um, and then when when I have a tracking number, a FedEx tracking number, I'd like to get back in touch with you and let you know what that is. They're usually all over that. And and, and once they've done that, they get a, a personalized cartoon piece from me as well. And so I'll, I'll usually send a card to them just to say thank you. And, and you know, I know, I know the effect of seeing this cartoon on the front of a card and there's a signature by the cartoonist. And then if inside there's a note and it's with that same signature, I mean, that's really kind of a, I know all these things are, that's kind of an ambush, isn't it? I mean, they, well, to some they degree, go, oh my God, look at this. This is cool. Well, but it's cool. But also, you know, probably it's a fact of life of, of an executive assistant's job oftentimes is not a lot of appreciation for what yeah. he or she does. Yep. And so to have somebody I don't want to say necessarily validate, but have somebody sort of validate by showing sincere appreciation for how they help them. Yeah. Uh, that goes a long ways. I mean, that's that's one of these basic human responses, emotions that, that you're not manipulating. You're just, people like it and it works. Yeah. It it goes a long way. And, and, you know, um, I hear, I mean, there, all these things fit a lot of, I mean, they, they fulfill several purposes at, at the same time. So when I'm sending a cartoon, about the, the um, executive assistant and inside saying, thank you so much for your help on the phone. Thanks for being such a friendly voice on the other end of the line. I really mean it. I mean, they, they have, they, they are that. And, and I just wanted to know that you took a chance with me and I want to just want you to, I want to recognize it and, and thank you for it. Um, yeah. And but I think- the other thing is that, you know, they're going to, I know what happens with those, with those cards. They, they, they're, they're, they treat treat them like keepsakes, so they'll either end up on their desk or up posted on the wall or something like that. And and get, by the way, guess who sees that as they walk by? Sure, <laughs> the, not just the person not just trying the boss, to reach but seeing that everybody that works they, for the boss sees it. Yeah, and they they like the fact that you're treating their their assistant well. I mean, their assistant is someone they trust with a lot of their a lot of the details of their businesses and of their careers oh, and just th- their success. And absolutely. So, you know they they don't like it when people mistreat their executive assistants, and I think they like it a lot when they just treat them well—not bribe them, but treat them well and acknowledge them for for who they are and what their what their contributions are because they're huge. Right. So you know, I the think- other thing, and the other thing, then when the finally when that cartoon piece comes, it's a big eighteen by twenty four inch, quarter inch thick um, foam core piece. It's basically a giant postcard, and on that there's a cartoon about. The, the boss about the, the person I'm actually trying to reach. Um, so it's a cartoon about them. The cartoons are always very carefully 
created and uh, so that they say something that that the boss, uh, that the target executive really believes about themselves so that the big board, that's what I call them, that the big board becomes an heirloom to their careers and they never throw these away. In fact, what, what they end up doing is keeping them, keep them in their office in some form, either maybe just on the credenza somewhere where it doesn't quite fit, so it's kind of cocked to the side a little bit. And it has people, I mean, I, I just hear all these stories of people walking in and saying, where'd you get that? What is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's this thing. And they have to go into the story again, and they're reminded every time. Well, so I think they're great I think, devices for that. Yeah, and I think the key thing is for people listening is that, yeah, you don't have to be a cartoonist for this to work. You don't have to be selling no. an original piece of art. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about specific other ideas for campaigns that, that uh, those of us who aren't cartoonists can can implement. But I think also just to, to summarize what we talked about right here at this last point is that you know, so much of what you hear and read about the gatekeepers, and, and you use the term, is, Stu, is you know, you're not trying to get around the gatekeeper. You're trying to enlist and enroll the gatekeeper in your objective, which is to have contact and possibly a meeting with the ultimate decision maker. So a uh, very important point for people to, to remember. And when we come back after the break, Stu's going to give us some ideas about specific campaign ideas that you could put, use, or put to use in your business. So stay with us. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. All right, I'm back with my guest, Stu Hynek. We're talking about contact marketing, contact campaigns, really highly personalized outreach to specific people that you need to be able to be in touch, and if you can, like I said, have the ability to transform your business. So let's let's talk about some other ideas you had that you, in your book sure. about successful contact campaigns. And as you sort of organize in the book, you know, it's from you know paid to to free. It could be ten thousand dollars. It could be zero. And yeah. there's not necessarily one being more costly doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be more successful than than something that's free. It's just different different. Uh, different approaches for different markets and different different people so so maybe we start with some some free ideas i mean what what is things people can do i mean you always hear about oh we're going to send them a letter but it's going to be in a fedex envelope so that they see it and it sits on their desk but something <laughs> a little more more nuanced and and thoughtful than that yeah I, yeah i don't know that that would work all, all that well today no um you know one of the things that that I, i've by the way when just by interviewing all these thought leaders for the book uh, sales thought leaders. Um, I ended up with 20 categories of contact campaign types, and these things have been producing response rates as high as 100%. ROI, the, the, the record among the people interviewed for the book was just over 620,000% ROI. Kind of a, it's such a big number, I, it's hard to even interpret it. Right. Um, and then all at a cost per contact that ranges from zero to $10,000 per person. And so all in all, this is a really bizarre form of marketing. <laughs> but um, but you you asked about the zero dollars, the, the 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 campaign types that are at the at the free end or the zero cost, and then those would be using um, really smart uses of social media and uh, email, 
Um, I, I'll, I'll put I mean, phones is another one. And I'll, I'll put, um, or I did put mail in, in that category too, because if you're mailing to, well, you know, I, I described at the outset the the campaign I, I did for two dozen people and it cost me less than a hundred dollars. And so, you know, it's virtually free, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but, you know, social media is a wonderful place to be creating connections. And, you know, I, I, I'm always someone who, who I notice when, when channels get clogged and I don't like it. And I'm, I'm always looking then for contrarian approaches, but, um, and, and social media may be getting there and maybe getting to a sort of a saturation point or maybe not, I don't know, but a lot of people use it and I'm amazed. I'm just amazed at what it does to open doors um, that you might not have opened otherwise. So uh, give an example from your book of, of how somebody used it in a way that was really a successful contact campaign, not just, uh, you know, following somebody or, you know, replying to a tweet. Sure. Well, I mean, well, sort of a simple one would be, you know, just taking a look at the, at the profile of the person you're trying to reach and learning something. I mean, you need to be learning something about them. You really should be showing up. If you're a salesperson, you shouldn't be showing up and saying, well, what are you up to? <laughs> what's, what's important to you? And, what are you working on? You should know these things. You at least should have some some knowledge of what they've been working on. It may de- may not be quite up to up to date in their in their social media feeds, but you, you obviously you can't just show up knowing nothing. That you're just wasting their time. So you know some of the some of the contact campaigns that used social media were really interesting. Uh, um, in one, they they took a look at their at the LinkedIn profiles and. Pretty much every LinkedIn profile includes some mention of where these people went to school, and so they they bought sweatshirts from each of their schools and used the sweatshirts as a as the basis of. I mean, so they were sending it as a gift with a letter. The letter, the, the theme of the letter tied into the, the the school where they went and so on. But um, but I thought that was a pretty cool one because they took the time to to identify where they went to school. I went to USC. And so if I got a sweatshirt from USC, I, you know, I, it was, it would be obvious that some thought went into that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was another one that was done by, by um, Jason Westbacher of mydocket.com. And they just wanted to, you know, sometimes these aren't about selling. It's, or actually, I, I, maybe I should restate that. Almost everything we do is selling. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going to say, it's, I, it wasn't we're, a transaction. We're all, we're all selling all the time. We are. And so, so this one wasn't to um, to ask the recipients to become clients, but to become supporters. And he was reaching out to to the sales thought leaders, many of the sales thought leaders I interviewed for the for the book. And and what what Jason wanted to do was just introduce the concept of my docket. Um, and so he did this really really amazing thing. He he really drilled down in the in the the profiles of these these people he was reaching out to, and then came up with a gift, really thoughtful gift based on whatever it is that they really found that he saw was important to each of these people. And so Matt Hines was one of the, one of the people on the, on the list. And Matt had um, something on his, on his Facebook page about raising chickens. And so the, uh, the, the piece that he got was a, a crate of, I mean, a, an egg crate and it had paper, paper, uh, not paper, but, but, um, um, plastic eggs within, and each egg had a message within it. And each of these messages were were themed around chickens, but also around my docket and mm-hmm. why why Matt should pay attention. So they, and this was a campaign they couldn't have sent to anyone else, you know. So that that's those are two really interesting uses of of um, social media that 
that helped open those contacts. And I, I've got to say, though, that, you know, as I've been promoting my book, I, I, I've been reaching out to some of the people who um, have a, have big followings and are followers of mine. I don't know that that a Twitter, you know, that that I follow you on Twitter is a, a real deep relationship. No, I don't think it is. But when I'm able to reach out to them and say, hi, uh, I noticed that we follow each other and um, I have a set, I'm one of the Wall Street Journal cartoonists and an author, I've just, I have a book just coming out. And in the book, I've got 21 cartoons, one, each one heading a chapter in the book. Um, would you mind tweeting some of these cartoons as, as memes? And um, God, you know, just reaching out to a handful of people this week, I ended up, uh, I guess, reaching about a million people. Very nice. Um, just by reaching out um, and doing a, a direct message on Twitter. So social media is a great way to open these conversations and, and, and relationships. So let's give some examples. We just have a few minutes left in terms of, uh, you know, something maybe a little more, you know, $50, $100 or something that, you know, because you're selling a, if you're selling a service that's going to have yield $100,000 a year in, in recurring revenue, you know, you could spend a thousand bucks on acquisition. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's an idea that you write about in the book that people have used for that? Well, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the, um, a lot of the ideas that that I found fall into the gift category. So you're giving a gift, um, and the, of course you've got to be a little bit careful about these. They can't just be bribes, obviously. But some people have come up with some pretty interesting ways of of concocting gifts and giving them. And so one of the ones I think is kind of interesting is sending half of a gift. And that that might fall into that $50 range. So if you were going to send, let's say, um, a, a remote control model of a Ferrari, um, the way that you would use this as half of a gift is you send the Ferrari, you'd send a note. You might talk about how you want to make, you really want to rev things up for them, although you really don't want to be talking in that way. But you might end up theming some of the things you say that way. It's just, I know that people get the sense that all you're doing is talking at them instead of talking to them or with right, them. Right, right. But <clears throat> you send it and you say, you know, I, I've got some things that I think can rev up your business. I know that because, or I think that because we've done it with other companies in your industry. Um, and I'd like to meet with you. And by the way, when we meet, then I'd like to, br I'll bring the remote control unit <laughs> so so that you can use the thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I know that those have worked and, you know, the, the various um um, variations on that theme. I mean, that remote control helicopters, um, a pair of shoes. So the left shoe shows up in a box, and they'll bring the other shoe when uh, when the when the meeting happens. <laughs> so those are kind of neat. But I'll tell you, the ones, the gifts that I think, <clears throat> and you know, my cartoons are also gifts. But I'm just so I'm just setting all that aside. I'm really not really talking about about what I do, but what I found and what I what I discovered through these interviews. One of the most interesting forms of gift. That um, that I uh, that I saw being used was um, gifts that are actually visual metaphors for what the sender wants to do or how they want to how they want to contribute somehow contribute value somehow to the recipient and uh, and one of the best users of this form of gift is Dan Waldschmidt. Um, Dan Dan runs a blog called Edgy Conversations. He has a He's book. Been a guest on the show a couple times. Yeah, I, I would imagine you know him quite well. And, and so Dan, in, in addition to being a, a, a really top-ranked sales blogger, is, um, is, is actually a turnaround specialist. And so he described to me the way that he goes out and finds and, and connects with his next uh, 
his next clients. And what he does is he combs the paper looking for stories of missed earnings estimates. And then he he figures out who, who the CEO is. Well, actually, probably CEO is probably mentioned in the story, but who they are, how to reach them, I mean, where to, where to send something to them, kind of all really kind of easy stuff to find on the internet. And then he has this beautiful sword made up, and it's made by the prop maker who made all the swords for the, for the movie Gladiator. So they're beautiful. And, and it's a full-size medieval sword, and he has the blade engraved with the CEO's name, and it's put into this beautiful wooden box. And in the box goes a handwritten letter from Dan saying, and of course he has, he sends it by FedEx. And the, his, his note says, you know, business is war. And I noticed that you lost the battle recently with the, the, the most recent um, earnings estimates uh, being missed. And I just want to let you know that if you ever need any extra hands in, the, in battle, we've got your back. That's it. He's not even telling him what he does. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's just, Hey, you know, um, just, I saw that wanted to reach out and, and give you something of value that, and, and and more actually, if you were to call him up, and he said that he gets uh, essentially a hundred percent response rate to that. So I'm not the only one who's ever seen hundred percent response rates, uh, but he gets almost a hundred percent response rate. And the thing is, this costs him a thousand dollars a pop. But you know, if he and and not everybody, although essentially everybody he sends them to responds to him, not everybody becomes a client. But when he does sell a, a, a contract, it's worth you know a couple million dollars to him each time. Right. Yeah, so he can afford to send something that's worth a thousand dollars. Absolutely. Yeah. And he sells big ticket consulting projects and so on. And and the thing that I think that the important point to talk about here is that you know these aren't gimmicks. And and, no. and you make the distinction, an important distinction between you know authenticity and and being gimmicky in in your yep. book. And for people that know Dan Waldschmidt, you know the sword is that's Dan because Dan yeah, is, is the most high energy, positive thinking, energetic you know person that you're gonna you're fine. I mean that that is yeah. Dan, right? And yeah. That's so. And the cartoons are you. So it's really important to find something that not only reflects the interest of who you're sending it to, but that reflects your passions and your interests in a very authentic way. You know, there's one com- or one point I made in the book. I'm glad you bring this up because we're, these aren't these aren't stunts. There, and I made a difference differentiation between stunts and contact marketing, but but also just um, the the, uh, the 20 categories of contact campaigns and all the all the examples I give in the in the book um, are not meant to be just a list of things you check off and that's that's what you go use. Um, instead, it's uh, it, you know it's because it would be like. This would be like seeing uh, the, the the got milk poster and saying, okay, that's what uh, that's how you advertise. So we we sell um, keyboards, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go with got keyboards, mm-hmm. and we're gonna look really really dumb, actually. Right. <laughs> so it's not about copying what's there, but being inspired by what's there to come up with something that expresses you and expresses the value that you bring and, and the personality that that you are and, and just expresses why they're going to really humanizes you. That's probably one of the most important points. This humanizes you so that they, they just wonder, well, who is this person behind? Who, who thinks like this? This is amazing. I got to meet this person. Exactly. And I think yeah. that's you know, a great point to sort of end on is that, that like anything in sales, when you have that initial outreach, what are you trying to do? You're trying to stimulate the recipients or the buyer's curiosity, right? I'm curious to learn more. Yep. And 
you know, these contact campaigns they use are really a great vehicle to do that, to say, look, well, wow, this is really interesting. I need to learn more about this person or this company that sent that to me. Yeah. That's Excellent. It. Excellent. Well, Stu, well, thank you very much for joining me. My guest today has been Stu Heineck. Stu, how can people find out more about you? Well, uh, they can, I guess one, one place you can go is, is my author website, which is stuheinick.com. So S-T-U-H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E.com. And there you can find news about the book. Um, you can also get a sneak preview of the book. So it's, the, it's the, the foreword by Jay Conrad Levinson, by the way, the author of all the guerrilla marketing books. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was the last thing he wrote before passing away. Um, and then the introduction and first chapter. So stuheinick.com is a place you can go. You can follow me on, on Twitter at bystuheinick. Again, B-Y-S-T-U-H-E-I-N-E-C-K-E. -E -E. um, or you can call me. I'm happy to, do, happy to talk to people. 206 286 8668. All right, there we go. Thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is a great way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Stu Heineck, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at revenue.io.